Love the Lord? Amen. How many of you have your Bibles? Let me see them. Let me see them. Hold them up and wave them. Let's make the devil mad this morning. Make him nervous in the service. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like that sword. He doesn't like that word, especially if you know how to use it. If you're efficient in using the, the sword of the Spirit. Amen. The title of my message is, You Won't Believe What I Just Heard. What? That's the title of my message. What? You Won't Believe What I Just Heard. What? That's the title of my message. Wait, what? You Won't Believe What I Just Heard. What? That's like Abbott and Costello. What? That's the title of your message. What? You won't believe what I just heard. What? <laughs> Is it all right to have fun in church? Let's give the Lord a hang laugh. Now, we, we, we had that. Uh, we, we, yeah, we, 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 we practiced that, okay? Anybody, anybody heard any good news lately? Any good news? Let me tell you about a church. A while back, a phone call came into a church in, in the Midwest section of the U.S., and the voice at the other end of the phone said, I want to speak to the head hog of the trough. And the reception said, excuse me? The voice said, you heard me? I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. And she said, if you're talking about our pastor, we don't call him a hog. And right now, he's unavailable. Well, you could call him whatever you want, but just tell him, the old boy, that I've got a check here for $30,000. And the reception said, hang on a second. I think Porky just walked in. <laughs> now, that was good news for that church. I don't know what kind of good news that you've heard lately, but sometimes we hear some good news. Somebody say amen. amen. So this morning, we're going to be talking about some good news. And matter of fact, I'm going to change my message title this morning because we want to get back into that, tapping into the uh, God's healing power. Okay, can you, can you get that one all right? All right, okay. <laughs> Okay, now I, I want to say something too. My style of preaching is very relational, and the reason it is is because, you know, it has to do with the relationship that I have with my heavenly father, God, okay? Now, my earthly father and I had a great relationship, and you know, uh, let me just say this. Probably 95% of the time, I never heard my dad really raise his voice to me. It was an instructing way. It was sometimes an authoritative way or whatever it may be, but in a way that he communicated and instructed in love, and that's kind of part of who I am today, too. So that's kind of the way that I minister. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I want to talk about some good news this morning for all of us, and it's found in this one verse of Scripture, and we're just going to kind of, uh, you, you know, break it apart, break the word apart this morning that we could understand it. And here's what it says. And Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, I'm reading this in the King James Version. And it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Oh, somebody say amen. We're going to pray this morning, and also we're going to pray for the nation of Israel. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this word of God that you've given us, this word that's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway, this word that's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, this word, God, that can give us direction and instruction for life, 
and deliver us from all of the, the things that this world has to offer. And Lord, also we lift up the nation Israel for you today. And Lord, we know that all the calamities and all the problems in the Middle East, they sit around that little state of Israel. And, and Lord, the apple of your eye, you call that state of Israel the apple of your eye. I pray for them today. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would once again just guard them and protect them and provide for them and be with them, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Now, as we look at this message today, we're going to talk about the power of God. And in that power, the healing benefits or blessings that come as a result of God's power in our life. We've been talking about God's power. We've been talking about spiritual opportunities. We've been talking about how that, you know, maybe the world is going this way and things are going this way. But when the word of God comes in, it interrupts all of that and it can turn things around in your life and in your situation. How is the power of God manifested in your life today? Now, we could talk about Jesus who walked the earth 2,000 years ago in his sandals. And, but how is that relevant today? How is that relevant for you and I this morning, okay? First, let's look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I want you to see it in the Word of God, and it's Jesus' mission statement. Now, if there was a mission statement that Jesus had, he would have it out there. This is my mission statement here, and here, here it is. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit power, Holy Ghost power. That's what made the difference in Jesus' life. Let me say this. You say, well, wasn't he the son of God? He was the son of God, but he never used that power as the son of God. He used the same power that's available to you and I today. Come on, somebody. That was the power that he used. And sometimes we, get, we, we, we forget that. We forget that the power that was being used by Jesus was the same power that, that you and I have. He, he came into his own, his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God. And not only that, on the day of Pentecost, you know, he's, Jesus said it's expedient that I go away because when I go away, the Holy Spirit power is going to come and infill you. You're going to be different people. So there's something about that power of God. The, the relevance of the power of our, in our lives, it gives us perfect, a perfect description of what this power is and what it does. It says Jesus went about doing good. And I want you to notice this next phrase. Healing all. Everybody say healing all. Healing all. Say it again. Healing all. One more time. Healing all. healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, you know, I have listed for you there this morning, the latter part of this verse, some other versions, and how it reads. And Jesus said in the NIV, healing all who were under the power of the devil. And uh, that's in the NIV. And he also said in the easy-to-read version, he healed those who were ruled by the devil. And in, in the Holman's uh, Christian Standard uh, translation, it says, healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. And then the J.B. Phillips says, healing all who suffered from the devil's power. And in the Message Bible, I really like this in the Message Bible, it says this, healing everyone who were beaten down by the devil. And in the New Life version, it says, healing all who were troubled by the devil. Now this morning, it doesn't matter if you're oppressed by the devil, under the power of the devil, ruled by the devil, under the tyranny of the devil, suffering from the devil, beaten down by the devil, or troubled by the devil. Let me say this. God's healing power is available to you and me today. Somebody say amen. amen. 
It's available to us today, that same healing power. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forever. So that that power is available to us this morning. What a phenomenal mission statement. You know, it's a perfect way of describing why Jesus came and what he came to do to go around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Now, Now, that's what the power of God does. It binds up the broken hearts. It saves the lost. It gives hope to the hopeless. How many of you here this morning at one time you had no hope? Somebody say amen. We didn't have hope, but because of Jesus, he changed our situation. He changed our lives. So this morning we're going to look at three ways, or we could say three reasons, to tap into God's healing power. Number one, write this down. First, you need salvation for the Spirit. Write that down. You need salvation for the Spirit. Now, If one of you were falling off a thousand-foot cliff and someone extended a hand and rescued you, we would define that as a a physical uh, saving, okay, saving you physically, your your body. In other words, you were saved physically, uh, and your life was saved. In the same way, you may need a a physical salvation. One definitely needs a, a spiritual salvation, a salvation of the Spirit. And let me explain this. Is anyone here... Anyone here have a crazy family? Now, if they're beside of you this morning, don't raise your hand, please. But some of us come from crazy families where there was generational curses and things or whatever it may be that that were in there. Some come from families that maybe your family was filled with divorce or drug addiction or sex offenders or alcoholism or lots of depression. And we could go on and on and on among other things that, that was part of your family. You know, some of your family members may be walking in destructive patterns. They had things in their life. It's just like, wow, you know, they, they need some deliverance or, or maybe generational curses. Now, before I came to Jesus, I was walking in some of these destructive patterns in my life, just like some of my family members. So let's imagine it this way. What would a body look like? Think of this. After falling off of a thousand-foot cliff among some rocks and hitting, what would that body look like? That body would look all messed up and ragged and and torn and whatever it may be. Now, that's what my spirit looked like. My body might not look that way, but on the inside, my spirit was just like someone, like a body that had fallen off of a thousand-foot cliff and was mangled and all. That's the way my spirit looked like. How many of you know that even today we go to the doctor and sometimes we get an examination and and we may look fine on the outside, but something's going on on the inside that needs to be taken care of. Somebody say amen. And that's the same way with our spirit. Our spirit needed to be healed. Our spirit needed to be born again. So I knew I needed to change, but how do I break these destructive patterns in my life? How do I do that? And the only hope for me and for many of you is... That door of hope, okay, that we call salvation of the Spirit. Thank God Jesus saved us. Can you say amen? amen. Somebody said when they got, you know, said Jesus can save you. And they said, save for what? In other words, they didn't understand that, that your spirit needs to be saved. Your spirit needs to be born again. You know, if you're going to change and if we're going to change this world, let me tell you something. I don't believe it's going to be in the political arena as some may think. It's going to be when you change a person on the inside. Let me tell you something. They're going to walk different on the outside. Somebody say amen. They're going to talk different on the outside, but they've got to be saved on the inside. The problem why some don't seek it Maybe they think that they need to be perfect. Anybody here like that when you got saved? You, before you got saved, you thought you needed to be perfect? I mean, it's like, you know, I, I need to be perfect. No, no, no. A thousand times no. 
Perfection is not a prerequisite for salvation. The only prerequisite is a genuine and sincere heart for God. Somebody say amen. I want to say that again. The only prerequisite is a genuine and a sincere heart. Okay, when you come to Jesus. So many people think that they need to become perfect. Not so, not so. Before they begin a relationship with Jesus. And that's why the Bible states, and turn with me to Mark chapter 2 and verse 17. I don't think I have that in your notes. I want to, I want to share that. Or it may be, maybe it's in your notes, but not up here. And, and look at that scripture. Look at that scripture, verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those who think they are righteous. Think, notice this. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, there you go, but those who know they are, help me out, sinners. In other words, that's who Jesus came to. The Pharisees and the scribes who thought they didn't need anything, Jesus knew he couldn't get to them until they come to that place where they realize that they were lost and undone without a Savior. So at OBC here, let me just say this. Our church is a body of believers made up of people who know that they don't have their act together. Somebody say amen. Now, folks, I'll tell you something. My spirit got saved, but there was a lot of things inside of me that didn't get saved. Let me tell you something. I got saved, you know, May the 31st, 1971, but my tongue didn't. My tongue didn't get saved. My mind didn't get saved. There's a lot about me that didn't get saved because I still was talking some of the same way. Let me tell you something. It's, it's called discipleship. You have to be discipled and be like Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Now, don't look at me so self-righteous. Some of you say, well, that wasn't me. No, you probably worse. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we, we, we have to work these things out in our lives. Jesus saves you, but you still may have to change your vocabulary. I had to change my vocabulary. I had to work on my tongue. Come on, somebody. I just had to start talking in a different way. When someone pulled out in front of me and they hollered at me, I had to learn not to holler back. <laughs> You're getting my drift. Mm. If you get saved today and leave this church this morning and someone raises their voice at you, guess what? You may just raise yours back. Now if, you've been in, now, if you've been in a good service and in the presence of the Lord and you're feeling great and hallelujah and you've been discipled, you know, you, you know you, you, you've been down that path a while. You know, you may be okay. But let me tell you something. If you got saved uh, last week or last month, you may say something back. You may have healing for your spirit, but not healing for other areas of, your, your, of you. If you believe that, say, how many of you get in my drift this morning? I'm saying that, you know, you're saved. God, you're born again. It, it, your spirit is saved. But you know what? Your body and your mind and your, 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 your spirit, you're you, you saved, but not your body and your mind. It's not saved. You know, you know the Bible talks about the saving you know, uh, of your soul, the saving, you know, it's a continual thing. You know, the soul is the seat of the intellect. It's the mind. It's, it's who you are. It's your personality. It's, you know, you know and, and you have to work on that. The, the Word of God has to continually work on that. If you believe that, say amen. Number two, write this down. You need peace for your mind 
or healing of your mind. Mm. Has anybody ever heard that phrase, you know, someone has said something to someone, they said, well, I'm tell you what, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. And that's the problem. You give about a half of it away. <laughs> it needs to be restored. God always wants to give you his peace when you're burdened, when you're stressed, when you're exhausted. That's why Jesus so eloquently said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. look in your notes. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In other words, come to me. In other words, we've got to walk with him. We've got to talk with him. We've got to live with him. We've got to be in relationship with Jesus, and he's going to give us that peace that we need. See, God's healing consists of he gives us peace in the midst of the storms of life. He gives us peace in the midst of anguish of our soul. Somebody say amen. He gives us peace in the midst of fear and anxiety and stress. Anybody been stressful lately? As we look back 2,000 years ago, well, stay with me this morning. We see that when the church first began with 12 people, very simple and common, every one of them had faith. Everybody say faith. Jesus instructed them. Jesus sent them out. He sent them out. What did he send them out to do? To cast out devils, to move mountains. Would all you agree with that? And they come back and they said, even the demon spirits, they're listening to us. They're leaving like you said, you know. And, you know, so they come to do all these things, the power to raise the dead, heal the sick. They did miracles. They did miracles. Everybody say they did miracles. The disciples did miracles just like, just like Jesus did. The apostle Peter, as he's walking by, People would run and get their babies, sick babies, and lay them out just for his shadow to touch them. They had enough faith in the man of God that they were going to be healed, and they were healed. Come on, somebody. There were miracles. They, they, these, they, they were powerful. Things were happening. But one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing they all had in common was that they all died believing that Jesus was going to return before they died. Now, that's a fact. Read it, you know, you, you know, this is their paradigm. And we all know that historically and archaeologically fact that that didn't happen. He did not come before they died. Matter of fact, we're still looking for him today. Somebody say amen. amen. Their timing was off. And you talk about disillusionment. You talk about panic and, and anxiety. They were facing beheadings. Folks, let me tell you something. They were put in the arena with lions and tigers and bears and, and did sports and all that. They were pulled apart. They were tied together, uh, arms and legs with horses, and they pulled them apart. There was, can you imagine that? You talk about ISIS. It was ISIS of the day. I mean, there were beheadings. There were things that were happening, and they died. Every one of them died a martyr's death, and all of these things were happening. So there was anxiety. Can you imagine the fear and the anxiety and the stress that all of the apostles, although they had this power in their lives, they were still facing that. And I'm sure many times they laid awake at night wondering if they got it right. You remember, how many of you remember John the Baptist when he's in jail? Everybody say in jail. He's incarcerated. He's in prison. And while he was there incarcerated in prison, you know, Things begin to work on his mind. Now, remember, John, let, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back. And remember, it was John the Baptist 
who was baptizing in the Jordan River one day when the hair on the back of his neck began to stand up and he turned around and he looked and he saw Jesus coming. He pointed his hand towards Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's the one I've been talking about. That's the Messiah right there. He's the one. He's the one you need to look to. Now, John said all of that, but when he was in prison, let's go back to where he's in prison. When he's in prison, how many of you know doubt came into his mind? Where'd it come? Where'd it come? His mind. Where did doubt come? His mind. Doubt came to his mind. You know the story, how that... The disciples went of John, they went to talk to Jesus, and, and Jesus just said, you know, he didn't get in a debate. He didn't, well, you know, he didn't say, not, no, no, no. He just sent the word back. He said, you tell John what's happening. And, and the thing of this, when he told John, when they went and told John what was happening, John realized, yes, he's the Messiah. You know, I just a doubt on my part. I said all that to say this. They had doubts, anxiety, and probably dealing with depression. Yet their counsel to us was, every one of us, their counsel to us was, Jesus Christ gives you peace that passeth all understanding. I, I mean, yeah, 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 we have doubts that come. We have, we have things that come our way. But when we go back to the Word of God and we realize who He was, you know, He gives us peace that passes all understanding. Only Jesus can give you what is missing in your heart and in your life. Somebody say amen. He can give you that peace, not all the money in the world, not all the political uh, context, not all the best remedies known to man. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. I tell you what, you can spend billions and hundreds of billions and trillions or whatever, and there's a lot of people that do not have peace of mind. Let me tell you something. Jesus come to give us peace of mind. Only Jesus can give you peace that passes all understanding. Some of you need that desperately this morning. You need God's grace. You need God's peace maybe you're laying awake at night or whatever it may be you need the peace of God are you trying to figure out how to solve your problems or your children's problems folks I'll tell you what we need to come back to that place where we depend upon God somebody say amen I told you the story earlier or I may have said this in a prayer I'm not sure but this morning, you know, and I, I do this, this, this is a habit of mine, you know, it's, I'm on a low-carb diet, and, you know, when I eat a sandwich, I take one slice of the bread off, and I pull around somewhere where I see, I, I try to see some birds, but I usually find, I, I throw that bread out, and as I'm eating my sandwich, just kind of thinking about God and the things of God and the day or whatever, I see the little birds come in, and I think of what Jesus said about caring that we get so much care upon us. And he said, consider the lilies of the field. He said, consider the birds of the air. They, 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 they don't, you know, you know, God provides. Everybody say, God provides. See, God tells me to go park over here and throw my bread out the window because there's going to be some birds over there. Come on, somebody. Are you getting my drift this morning? So I'm sure you've discovered all the money in the world won't solve some problems. You need God's peace. Only Jesus can give the peace that passeth all understanding. If you believe that, say amen. See, uh, Isaiah 9, 6. You see, Jesus will guide you through storms, and he will give you peace because he is the prince of peace. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. Isaiah sums up who Jesus was in the Old Testament, pointing to who this Jesus, this Messiah was going to be. It sums up, the way when talking about Christ. For unto us a child is born. We know that 
was Jesus, okay? Uh, to us, a son was given, okay? That's Jesus. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. wonderful. Counselor. Say counselor. Well, he's a good counselor. Come on, somebody. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And I like this last one. Prince of Peace. See, the devil's called the prince of this world because he, you know, he's the one that you know, plays havoc in this world. But in the world, Jesus is the prince of peace. Somebody say amen. All right, which brings us to the third healing blessing. Write this down. Your need, you need healing and deliverance for your body and your soul. And we talk about your, your soul, your mind, your, the peace of mind. You know, we talk about the peace and we talk about, you know, your body and your soul from destructive patterns in your life. See, God always has compassion on those who suffer. If anyone that's suffering, God has compassion. We have a compassionate God. Physically, emotionally, mentally, every way, God is compassionate God. The heart of God desires to help you and to comfort you and those who are downtrodden. Uh, and, and, and that's who God is. I, I love to read all the healings of the Bible. One of the favorite of mine that comes out, and I just love this one. It's kind of at the top of my list. It's found in Mark chapter 2 and verse 3. It talks about four guys who loved their friend who was uh, uh, paralyzed so much that they put him on a mat and they carried him to Jesus. Now, there's some things that we don't know, but some of the commentaries they, they, they talk about from, from various things that said there that this was some distance that they carried him. They, they talked about how, how, how this was a, a hard thing to do. You know, someone that's carrying someone on a cot, you know, you know, you have to work together to do this. And, uh, and they carried him, and they got him to Jesus. Now, we don't know how long the distance was, but probably several miles. But they got to the house, and they heard that Jesus was there and that the power of God was there to heal the sick. I mean, there was things that was happening because Jesus was there. And when they got to the house, however, they discovered, they discovered that the place was absolutely packed like sardines. Anybody know what that means? Just say it was crowded. So they said to their friend, sorry, Charlie, better luck next time. Sorry about that. No, that's not what they did. They, they, there was an obstacle there. You know, they, they couldn't get in. Now, what it was, you know, I don't know if any of you have been in crowds. I, 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 went, to, I went to the Washington for Jesus uh, and with the promise keepers. They said there was a million men there, and I believe it. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, Joe, didn't you go with us on that? Yeah, wasn't that something? I mean, it's just like, oh, my goodness, as far as you could see, men. I mean, it was, it was something. I mean, you know, so I, I know what a crowd would be like. I've been in crowds where you want to get to the, you know, if you're savvy, you can kind of move around a little bit. But, you know, after a while when people are getting so tired, it's hard to get up there. You know, it, you know so, you know, they can't get to Jesus, you know. He's inside the house. The house is around it's packed. It's packed inside. It's packed around it. So what are they going to do? So what do these guys do? They were very... Uh, use some, uh, uh, you know, ingenious, I should say, way. And what they did, they carried, now this was, this is hard, okay? But they took their friend up on top of the roof. Now there's, there, it doesn't tell us how, I mean, there's a lot of commentary you read on that as how that was done. Let me tell you something, it was not easy to do to get this man on top of the roof, okay? And not only that, the, it, it was, you know, can you imagine, uh, it had a roof on it, okay? Jesus was down here speaking, okay? 
And all of a sudden, he's hearing this tearing and, and, and the, the hammer and the nails coming apart and all this stuff, you know. And he's hearing all this and, you know, the little rumble there. And all of a sudden, he looks up and Jesus starts singing, Do you see what I see? No, no, that's not what he did. <laughs> but he looks up and there's four heads looking down. Can you imagine that? You got to get with me this morning. They're looking down. And, and, and Jesus is looking up, okay? And they, how they did this, I don't really know. But they lowered their friend down on, on a mat. Now, how did they do that? I don't know that. Maybe they had ropes or whatever, you know. But can you imagine if one let down a little bit further than the other one? He's coming off. Now you've got to raise him from the dead. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, you've got something going on there, you know. So, so here's Jesus. He, he's looking and, and, and it's amazing that what Jesus saw that day and what other people saw that day, okay? Uh, the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. Now, he didn't look really when he looked up. He didn't see four heads looking down. I mean, he might have saw that. But what he really saw in all of that picture, what he's seen in the big picture there is the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the young man, notice this, your sins are forgiven. I can imagine what the four other heads peeking through the roof was thinking, you know, in the roof, you know, saying, what did he say? He, he said their sins are forgiven. Jesus, are you blind? Can't you see that he's paralyzed? He needs to be healed. You said his sins are forgiven. What, what are you talking about, you know? But how many of you know, not only did Jesus see their faith, Jesus saw the problem that the man had that was beyond being paralyzed. He was not only paralyzed physically, he was paralyzed other ways as well. Could you say amen? He was paralyzed in his mind. He was paralyzed other ways. He was, he was you know, he needed to be saved in his spirit first. He had some destructive patterns in his life. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that this man needed something more than just a physical healing. Now, folks, let me tell you something. Jesus did heal. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus, you know, was one of those. When I think of him, you know, I, coming from my earliest stages of my mother and, and different one, he was very compassionate. He loved the down and out and the downtrodden and those that needed help. Jesus was the one you wanted to reach out to. He was the one. Jesus was all of that. But let me tell you something. He can see beyond that to see where the real problem of this young man was in, in, in his first stage. He needed to be saved in his spirit before he would, anything happened in his body and in his mind. If you believe that, say amen. Are you getting my drift? So, in order to somehow silence the crowd... And also, too, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, there's no verse saying, yeah, I know it. That's the, I, yeah, the man's paralyzed. He's talking about him needing, you know, he, he's talking about him, you know, uh, other problems. He, he's paralyzed. He's talking about his sins are forgiven. Well, you, you know, so, so in order to silence the crowd, just so you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, and, I ha and, and they were questioning that, the Pharisees, I have the authority to to heal this paralyzed man. And I say to you, take up your mat and walk away. Can you imagine the moment? I, 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 don't, I don't know how it actually happened. 
you know, when the, the guy at the gate called Beautiful was healed, you know, he said he went walking, and then he started leaping, and they started praising God. I mean, it's like, whoa, whoa. Any, anybody here ever been sitting in a certain way or, or, or maybe you're sitting back, hunched back on your legs and, and, and when you get up, you can't hardly walk? Can you imagine not being walking for years? I had a buddy of mine, you know, he, he, was, a, he was a minister and he was telling me something that happened. And you know, funny things happen to pastors just like they happen to anybody else. And he was sharing one of these funny thoughts. My wife and I, we just, we cackle, laugh it. He said he was in his office, and he was praying. He's down on his knees, he's praying. He says he's praying, he's praying, and he fell asleep. And somebody banged on the door, Pastor, it's time for you to preach. He, you know, he jumps up, put his Superman suit on, I got to go preach. But he got up, and his legs had went to sleep. So he went on his knees across the he said, my, my legs were asleep. I couldn't. I had to wake them up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He couldn't walk. So I can imagine this guy was paralyzed. But Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. And I don't know exactly how that happened, but he did. Can you imagine the cheering of the crowd? Hallelujah. So today, we need not only deliverance from our spirit and our soul or mind but also from our bodies as well this man was healed the bible says if the son sets you free help me out you're free indeed say it again you're free indeed say it again you're free indeed see i want to be set free by the son of god how many of you want to be set free i'm gonna tell you something philosophy won't do it religion won't do it Politics won't do it. I'm not against those things. I'm just saying that's not where, you know, those, they, these things can be helpful. But let me tell you something. Only Jesus can set you free. Somebody say amen. Oh, yes. What could be harboring in our lives that may be keeping us from our healing this morning? Maybe it's bitterness that we are harboring. You know, See, when Jesus spoke to someone, he, he went right straight to the issue of the heart. You know, yes, this man was paralyzed, but yes, this man had something deeper than that that he needed to deal with first. You know, the, and I, I've said this so many times, and folks, you need to hear this. When you come to the altar and you realize you have, you have something against your brothers or your sisters or you have something against someone, what you need to do first is make that thing right so that your prayers won't be hindered going to heaven. Somebody say Amen. And I believe many people are. Their prayers are hindered. It's like the poison we drink, hoping that someone else will die. That's what harboring something is like. It's like drinking poison and hoping somebody else has died. That bitterness that you have inside of you is poison to your spirit. Somebody say amen. And you've got to get it out. You say, well, that's hard to do. Yes, I know it's hard to do. But how many of you believe in miracles? Let me see your hands. You can do it. You can't. Let me tell you something, folks. You can't harbor these things in your life. You've got to get them off your plate. If you're going to be healthy in the things of God, you have to forgive others. Man, that went across kind of soft. Maybe I'm preaching in the wrong church. Maybe I need to be preaching down the street. I don't know. Folks, we got to get right on the inside 
before we get right on the outside. You get it right on the inside, the outside will take care of its place. God's number one priority in our lives is always the conditioning of our hearts. The conditioning of our hearts. It's always the condition of our heart. God cares about your healing. And many times when we think about healing, we're thinking about of our bodies or maybe emotional healing or a mental healing or, or whatever it is. Let me tell you something. The first healing and the greatest miracle of all and the greatest healing is our spirits need to be born again. Somebody say amen. And then after that, they need to, they, they, those areas that we need to work on, we need to work on. Let me tell you how, what Jesus, how he cares about us. Matthew 23, 27. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often, these are the words of Jesus, I wanted to gather your children together as a hen would gather her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Folks, all God is wanting this morning is a willing heart. He will come into your life and he will totally heal you. Somebody say amen. And in your notes, the last one there, it is God's will to heal you. Yes, but he needs to begin in your spirit. God's number one priority is always the conditioning of our hearts. What's going on in here? You know, let me tell you something. What's going on in here will reflect here and here. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Folks, if you think you're defeated, guess what? You're defeated. <laughs> I'm, just not, I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about what the Bible says. I'm reading that, okay? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You, you need to get a healthy healing of Jesus inside of you and the word of God and what Jesus says. And if you get that down inside of you, let me tell you, it's going to transform your life. Somebody say amen. Well, if you got anything out of this today, put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap.